Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him, asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. If you believe our God is good, why don't you give him a hand clap of praise right here and right now. Come on, he's a great big God. He deserves great big praise. What's going on, Mosaic? It's good to see you. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Avery, and you haven't taken me out for coffee. That's clear. Uh, I serve on the team that leads Common Ground Church in Beaverton. Um, I'm just so glad to be here with you to worship our God together. I have friends in this church who love me, and I love them as well. And there is something about our love for one another that is a public witness that Jesus Christ was sent from the Father. Don't test me on that. We'll go and read it right now. But I am so grateful for the opportunity to just spend a little bit of time with you in God's word. Luke gives Jesus' model prayer and the parallel in the synoptic gospels is found in Matthew chapter 6. But Matthew adds something a little bit extra 
as he, as he writes the prayer that Jesus prayed to model prayer for his followers. And this is what it says, Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. And then he adds this, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from evil. I think it's interesting that he uses the word deliver and I'm curious about that word. Why deliver? Why not protect? Protect us from evil or, or guard or, or inoculate us. I'm used to shots. I've had four of them. Why don't you give me a, 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 an antivirus shot for evil? He says, deliver us from evil. Deliver means bring and hand over to the proper recipient or address. And it reminds me of the time that I was looking for a job after the first time I was fired from a church. Been fired two and a half times. Take me out for coffee and we'll talk about that too. I found a job at a mailing service down in Southern California. And it was kind of cool. I had a truck that they gave me and I could drive around to different businesses and I would pick up their mail. And I would take it back to the mailing service and it would uh, be sent uh, from there. And I'll never forget my first day on the job. I was so excited. Uh, I, I was, I was going to get a paycheck for the first time in a while. And so I showed up to this mailing service and I pulled into the parking lot. And I noticed that there were a lot of, a lot of guys that were walking around. And most of them had badges on their belt. I thought, what in the world is happening here? So I, I went in. This is my first day on the job. I haven't even filled out my paperwork. And I was met by an agent from the United States Postal Service that was there to arrest the owner of the mailing service for federal mail fraud. <laughs> that was my first day on the job. And so even before I was able to talk to my boss, I talked to the feds. Oh, what an interesting conversation I had with my wife when I got home. It, it was my job. It was shady as I started. But it was my job to take something that, that was coming from one address and deliver it to another address. And so Jesus is praying, Father, bring and hand over us to the Savior. Take us, all of me, my heart, my spirit, my desires, my dreams, and take them to God. Oh, but that begs the question. If Jesus is delivering me to God, a new address, then where did the, the package originate? Where did the package originate?
package come from? Therein lies a great mystery. The battle of the ages is for the souls of God's greatest creation, humanity. The army of darkness has plundered the lives of the entire earth. And the kingdom of God wants to take them back one life at a time. It's two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. And there is no neutral ground. It's like the Federation on one side and the Romulans on the other. And there's no neutral zone that speaks to me. I don't know if it speaks to you. But there's no in-between. It's either one or the other. An individual is either all in for Jesus or they're fully against him. An undecided decision is a victory for the other side. Uh, This message flies into the face of a wishy-washy culture of pluralism. The belief that says, I can morph whatever philosophy I like with a little bit of Jesus. And God ought to be pleased with my spiritual invention. In fact, it isn't God who's pleased, it's Satan. Satan will accept 1% of 1% of my life. He's good with that. Oh, because he's intelligent. He knows that if he has just a little bit of me, Jesus isn't interested in the leftovers. Uh, The prince of darkness wants to possess me. He wants to possess you. He wants you to be his possession. Unfortunately, possession has been repainted through the creative minds of Hollywood. But unfortunately, what Hollywood has taught us about possession can be used by Satan to convince us that he isn't real. That evil and darkness actually doesn't exist. Oh, if there was ever a Jedi mind trick, that's it. I cross my metaphors, by the way, in case you were wondering. (laughs) Uh, He wants you to be in his possession, your body, your mind, your actions, your aspirations, your dreams, your very soul. And he will do whatever it takes to keep all of his possessions. So how brilliant would it be possess the souls of the entire world while convincing us that we own ourselves. I, I, I own my own mind, my own body, my own thoughts, my own dreams. I, I set my course. It's my life. Just had a Bon Jovi moment there. After all, if you own yourself... What in the world does it mean for Jesus to save you? Save you from what? That language doesn't even comprehend uh, this, this generation, this world. We preach 
a gospel of salvation, you need to be saved. What do you mean I need to be saved? I'm good. That's why uh, the message of the kingdom is so critical. It's critical. When Jesus invites us to join his kingdom, he is inviting us to step out of the kingdom of this world. We don't recognize that. Perhaps we don't talk about that enough. We don't feel the tension. We don't feel the burden. We don't feel the real angst of the world who is lost without Jesus. When we talk about we live in a dark world, it is dark. It is absolutely dark. Problem is because of the culture we live in, the society we live in, we think that between darkness and light is where I hang out. (laughs) Ezekiel says, the soul that sins must die. Ezekiel 18.20. Problem with that is that Paul says, for all have sinned. Every soul sins, and all people sin. Well, what's the big deal about sin? Well, if you sin, you've got a a paycheck that's coming to you. Kind of like I had a paycheck coming to me at the mailing service. And Paul says in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. But I've got this great hope in Christ. Listen to the second epistle of Corinthians. I continually am blown away by this text. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Every soul sins. And every soul that sins will die. It's the payment for our sin. That's why when I come to the table, I do it rejoicing because Jesus died for me. He died for you. That's good news. In Luke chapter 11, our text It is a demonstration of Jesus. It's a literal demonstration of Jesus delivering someone from evil. Look at it. Luke 11, verse 14, it begins, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke and the crowd was amazed. This, this doesn't happen every day. This, this, this isn't an everyday occurrence. People aren't rescued out of darkness. People just live in darkness because if you look around the world, darkness is the norm, not light. Darkness is the norm. And so the crowd 
was amazed. This, this man was possessed by one of the minions of, of the king of darkness. He was controlled. He was gripped by it. And because this evil spirit was a mute spirit, it, it took over the man's life so much that the man himself couldn't even talk. He was mute. No one had heard this man talk before. And Jesus drives out this demon. Now, I want, I want you to notice so that we don't just go quickly through this. We'll go quickly, but I want to do it intentionally. Jesus actually drove this demon out. He, he had the power to do that. I want to get out. I'm gripped by this thing that is within me. Perhaps it's a behavior. Or, or maybe it is my friends and family network. Or maybe it's that thing that keeps reminding me of what I did back in the day and I just can't get rid of it. This is what Jesus is in the business of. He goes and grabs people and he delivers them from evil. And so we see a demonstration of that. Verse 15, but some of them said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demon, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign. Uh, the, the, the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, those that were in charge, uh, they led the worship on Saturday, you know. Uh, they were the ones that, that were concerned about this Jesus, concerned about his impact, concerned about how he would change the course of the culture of the Israelites, but notice no one is accusing Jesus of not casting out the demon. Perhaps you recall, but if not, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, he's a member of the, the leading ruling council, and he comes to Jesus and he says, man, I'm going to say this in Avery Stafford version, bruh, you different. <laughs> you are different. Nobody does the things that you do except he would be sent by God. Now, I've seen some stuff in my day, but bro, what you're doing, I'm convinced. Matter of fact, all of my buddies on the council, we know, we know. Isn't it interesting that the same group that acknowledges that Jesus does these works because he was sent by God that they would accuse him now of performing this deed by the power of the prince of darkness. Something's up with this. Verse 17, and Jesus knew their thoughts. 
I don't know about you, but every time I read that in scripture, it makes me nervous. Because <laughs> I know my thoughts. And part of my life story is to make sure you don't know my thoughts. <laughs> but Jesus knows them. Every last one of them. And so because he knows their thoughts, he says this, verse 17. Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Any kingdom. My dad was from Oklahoma and, and he, he was a great preacher and he would say, sometimes you got to break the scripture down in cornbread English. I'm going to break that down. Any kingdom, that's any family. This divided within the family it isn't going to last long. Any nation where you got the leaders fighting against one another and you got the citizens of the nation fighting against one another, there's no way that it'll last. Any church, any church, I don't care what the budget is. I don't, I don't care what the vision statement is. I don't care how charismatic the preacher is. Uh, if there's division inside of it, it won't last. That's, uh, now I'm hearing Bruce horns me, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Ah, no kingdom divided against itself is going to stand, it'll be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Verse 18, if Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? They're accusing him of doing this, this miracle by the power of Satan. And Jesus is saying, that doesn't make sense. Why would Satan be sabotaging his own self? Uh, if Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub, verse 19. Now, if I drive out demons by the prince of demons, by whom do your followers drive them out? Since I do it, and everybody's amazed, then let's talk about those that you say do similar things. What power do they do them by? By a show of hands, how many are pro-Beelzebub? Raise your hand, raise your hand. No one, no one. But if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, you, what about your followers? They're gonna be your judge. Go talk to them, they're listening, and they're feeling some kind of way right now. Verse 20, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I like that. If I drive out demons, if I deliver people from evil into the hand of God by just using his finger, imagine what Jesus could do if he uses the whole hand. Imagine what he could do if he gives up his whole body 
for you. I deliver people. I, it's a rescue mission. I'm, I'm finding people who are in crisis and I'm bringing them to the cross to meet someone who's going to claim victory over all. I love it. Verse 21, when a strong man, all right, this man was possessed by a demon, by an evil spirit. So when a strong man, fully armored, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. Satan, he possessed, he took ownership of this man. He is the strong man. I got him. I got him. He's my possession. Verse 22, but when someone stronger attacks, I wonder if Jesus smiled when he said that. I see that Satan, he's, he, he can do this thing. He's strong and he can hold on to you over and over and over. He can keep reminding you you're not good enough. Oh, but when Jesus, who's stronger than him, comes along, somebody says, ah, he reminds you of what he's going to do on your behalf. When someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted, in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. I love that. I love, let me say it like this. I love Jesus flex. Yeah, yeah. So verse 23 is the verse that will make most of my friends go, ooh, oh, I don't like that. It's kind of narrow-minded. <laughs> Let's read it. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. If you're not all in, you're not in at all. Why is Jesus being so emphatic? Why is he planting his foot on stating that you must follow him all in? Now, here is the point where all my brothers and sisters in Christ stop listening to my words and they hear what I'm not saying. All right? I did not say, whoever is perfect, you for me. You other coffee drinkers, good luck to you. No, no, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that I've got a mission to deliver people from evil. There's two kingdoms. And there's no neutral zone. And I recognize it. I know it. I 
see it. Whenever I come into the presence of anyone who serves the prince of darkness, they call my name. They know who I am. I'm that guy. I am the one who was sent from the Father, and I can see what often we cannot see, that this world is dark. Oh, it's dark. And we need Jesus just because we cannot see our way in the darkness, which is ironic because I've been trying to do that for about 57 years now. If you are for me, you're with me. There's, there's no, I'm going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of this philosophy and a little bit of this politics and little what I remember dad said back in the day and throw some Jesus on it and heaven will be my home anyhow. No, no. I'm on a rescue mission. It is an mission to tell people who are possessed by the enemy of God that Jesus can bring them out. It's because of his sacrifice at Calvary that we are no longer slaves. Possessed owned by the enemy because of the cross I can be a child of God somebody ought to write a song I have a scar on my arm my mother is tuning in online praying for you praying for me and every time I see this scar I'm reminded of my mother's love. When I was 12 years old, I began to feel a pain in my arm. And it kept growing and growing and growing. And right around day three, I think, it was excruciating. I cannot describe how painful I felt in my arm. I eventually had exploratory surgery and it, it was discovered that in the long bone in my arm was a benign tumor that was growing and it was stretching the bone. Can you imagine? Every day growing, growing, growing. What was even harsher was I'd taken three x-rays and the doctors saw nothing. Can you imagine 12-year-old kids saying, I'm in pain? I needed somebody to believe me. I needed somebody on my side. I needed somebody to understand that there was something in my body that was gripping me and it wouldn't let go. So I made medical history in the San Joaquin Valley the second fastest growing osteoid osteoma, osteoid osteoma in medical history. Wow. I, I was in crisis 
until I was delivered from this, this tumor. Well, what's this big deal about being so radical about Jesus? Well, the, the enemy of God has an active grip on people's lives. I'm a living testimony to the enemy of God having a grip on my life and I sing the way that I sing and I preach the way that I preach because Jesus delivered me. He did. And he can deliver you. But here's what you got to do. You got to be all in. Because there's two kingdoms that are battling for your soul. So I want you to respond. Let me, let me say this so that I can be clear. I don't want you to react. I want you to respond. See, this business of worship and preaching and teaching, it's all about life transformation. And oftentimes, as the people of God and as leaders, we're good at making the sale and we're lousy at closing the sale. And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond as we come to the table. No matter where you are in your life, now is the time to come to Jesus. Right now. That sounds very evangelism-esque. How many of you know that believers in Jesus Christ need to keep coming to him too? Yeah, I know that I do. And the time is not tomorrow. It's not this afternoon. It's now. So I praise God for an opportunity that as you come to the table that you would eat this bread and drink this juice and you would remember what Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for you so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody's got to die for what you have done. And Jesus volunteered. And so come to the table and perhaps as you come and as you eat and as you drink, you would pray this prayer. Jesus, I want to be possessed by you. Isn't it interesting we sing songs about filling us? Filling us? And Luke writes... That Jesus describes this house that, that was freed from the demon. They were delivered, and yet they weren't filled. The house stayed empty. And the, the enemy, the, the demon, came back to the house and bought, brought seven of his buddies with him. Because this house owner was so excited that they were saved that they wouldn't stay with Jesus and be filled by him. I wonder if you would come to the table and eat and drink and by faith ask Jesus, as I come again to you, would you possess me? Would you be the ruler of my life? 
And maybe there's someone who's never said yes to Jesus. I am so excited for you because this is a unique moment in time for you to say yes to Jesus. Will you do it? Because if you will, Jesus will deliver you from evil.